Welcome to the Concerto podcast series. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Justin King and I'm delighted to be joined today by one of the founders of Concerto, Matthew Symes. Matthew co-founded Concerto 17 years ago with a vision to work ultra close with clients to deliver real change and incredible value for money. He is a business transformation and change specialist, an experienced UK government gateway review team leader, and has spent many years troubleshooting and assuring complex programs, many involving asset or infrastructure creation. At Concerto, Matthew's main achievements have been mobilising projects such as the London Olympics, delivering the BBC Broadcast Transformation Project, curing a new FM supply chain for Direct Line Group, and many others, including work for FTSE 250 companies and asset management companies. Matthew has also led assurance reviews of the $2.5 billion fit-out of the UN headquarters in New York, an organisation capacity and capability review for the Irish government, several reviews for the Ministry of Justice, and some key reviews for the MOD. In total, Matthew has probably over 120 reviews on his belt from the government and private sector. Matthew's business philosophy hinges around insight, impact, collaboration, change embedment, and knowledge transfer. Prior to Concerto, Matthew worked for PwC, and before that, as a practicing engineer designing roads, tunnels, and civil engineering solutions. And what are his top interests? Well, exquisite wines, rugby, tasteful ties, and studying the unpredictable paths of his four children. Matthew, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here, Justin. So let's just dive straight in, Matthew. Um, So going back to that point there about the reviews, with over 120 reviews under your belt, uh, is there a recurring theme or themes that keep coming up? Well, there certainly are. Um, I think the headline is poor program management. That's the headline. And um, that's a very broad church. So within that, I would say planning is the main problem. That's what projects seem to face time and time again. It's difficult to plan or, or else the planning is poor. And with the subjects of poor planning, um, I can see two root causes. Firstly, the, the planners might be inexperienced. They're dealing with something for the first time and they've, they just don't have the experience to um, plan it in uh, full detail. But more often than not, um, it's the fact that the program is actually pushing the barriers of humankind's knowledge. So it is hard to create a plan that has a full scope, realistic timings, reasonable cost estimates all coming together is just at the front end of humankind's knowledge. So taking those two points in turn, it is often the case that a program manager doesn't have the relevant experience to draw on. I see that a lot in the civil service where um, program managers are given significant responsibility. And it's quite common for someone with less than 20 years experience, for example, to find themselves delivering an asset-centric business transformation program valued in billions, never having done anything on that scale or complexity in his or her life before. So there are always challenges. And as for the second point, again, with the civil service example, where the projects tend to be bigger and more complex than anything in the private sector, it's, it's really often the case that the nature of a program is breaking new ground. The systems are innovative or they require creation of new markets or growth of new markets to support delivery. It's far from simple. 
those types of programs are terribly hard to plan. You just don't know what you don't know. And, and over the um, amount of time where you've obviously been exposed to some really quite complex programs and you've seen a lot of very different programs, have you seen an improvement about the way that those programs have been delivered? Well, I have. Um, and as you say, I've been reviewing programs on and off for the last 20, 25 years. And I did see initially in that period a big improvement. Um, and I would say that was due to the advent of professionalization in the project management world. For example, the APM made a difference and it is still doing so. There's a charter approach and there's a whole professional approach to program management and project management. More and more project managers see the charter, something to aspire to, and that's fantastic. The MPA also made a difference, sharing knowledge, sharing best practice. And then turning to the civil service, the revolution began with the formation of the OGC, that's the Office of Government Commerce, in the early 2000s. And this, of course, evolved now into the IPA, the Infrastructure Projects Authority. And the IPA is driving towards better project and program management delivery in several ways. Firstly, through advice and assurance, both vitally important in helping projects and programs to succeed. It's a lonely, lonely place being an SRO, the senior responsible owner. And the IPA offers uh, a range of advice, which is really important to departments on how to plan, organize, uh, deliver complex programs. Particularly helpful when the program manager is dealing with something novel or contentious. And the IPA's assurance service is also a powerful tool um, when you get three or four people from relevant fields, inside or external to the civil service, such as Concerto, coming in for a week to review a project or program and say, yeah, it's okay to proceed to the next gate, but here are some conditions. Or in some cases, uh, it's not okay, you need to stop and replan. So external assurance is a powerful tool. And I find sometimes it's hard to distinguish between advice and assurance, because properly done with lots of insight and perception, they actually become one and the same thing. And I often find SROs saying to me, well, I value the assurance, but what I really valued was the advice and the recommendations that you and the team uh, gave me too. So um, just one more good thing that the IPA is doing is um, professionalizing the program and project management community in the civil service. So rather like the APM and the MPA um, across the whole spectrum in the civil service, the IPA is organizing a project leadership program, the PLP, and also the Major Projects Leadership Academy uh, with the MPLA, which are basically raising the bar, sharing insights, experience, and building peer groups and support networks. It's got to be the right thing to do. And the next obvious evolution is to turn these from being one-off career or you know, trophy events into regular, continuous learning cycles every year or every two years. It's not good enough just to do it once. So back to your question, I have seen a tail off in the rate of improvement. The introduction of the charter with the APM and the introduction of the MPLA course run by the IPA made a big, big difference. But leading lots of reviews over the years, 
I'm now forming the view that the learning is starting to plateau as fast as civil servants come into the world of projects and programs. They leave at the other end of the conveyor belt and the learning isn't transmitting fast enough through the system. So we seem to be reaching a steady state. The learning, it needs to percolate faster and deeper. Otherwise, it may be the case that performance just will no longer improve. And I fear it's reaching some sort of equilibrium determined by the balance of recruitment and retirement and just how much the collective system enables learning and experience during those journeys. I'm now tending to see project managers struggling with the same sorts of challenges as I did a decade ago. People wrestling with the same issues, you know, basically planning and um, planning in complex, ambiguous environments at the same stage in their careers. Do you still subscribe to the fact then that assurance is a valuable tool? I do. I subscribe strongly to that view, Justin. I'm a strong believer in the power of assurance as long as it's done well. Uh, to me, assurance is an art form. It's not a science. It's an art form. It's subtle. It requires highest concentration and listening skills and the ability to assimilate complex documents. It requires an ability to foster trust with the SRO and the accounting officer. They have to believe in you and believe in the recommendations or it's all wasted. And this is definitely a case of being right doesn't mean you're right. They have to believe you in order to act on something. So it requires an ability to understand the political and the organizational context uh, and the environment, of course. An essential skill is being able to work not just with the senior stakeholders, but you know, with those deeper in the team who are often fearful of assurance, as it's not often in life that one has one's homework marked. So the skill is building trust at those levels. The, the review teams find themselves coming together at lightning speed, so it really is a challenge. Um, usually the team, they won't know each other at the start of the review, and the job of the team leader is to build an effective review team in very short order, patiently finding out people's strengths and weaknesses, their interests, any constraints. And the reports have to be written in double quick time in excellent English. When all of that comes together, then assurance is a powerful tool. Timely, perceptive, insightful, actionable. The accounting officer valuing the independent viewpoint um, either knowing that all is well or that there are some recommendations to help get to green. So the, assure, the SRO values the advice and the insight and the project team has a constructive feel uh, and everyone welcomes the chance to engage uh, and uh, rise to the challenge. That's when it works well. If it becomes a painting by numbers exercise or a tick box exercise, then the whole process devalues. So, um, but I am a believer, Justin, in the, in, the, um, in the whole cycle. And I think this is part of the learning from experience um, process or LFE, as people say. The assurance team actually transmit the learning seen from one program to another. So really assurance is part of LFE. Uh, and the assurers learn too. And in my book, being a, re being a reviewer should be part of everyone's continuous professional development not just doing one review a year using checklists or aid memoirs, but a regular event which people do three, four or five times a year and really learn from other experiences. If people genuinely don't have the time to learn or attend external courses, 
then being a reviewer, in my view, is a powerful way to improve one's own learning and help take the collective system to a much higher level of performance. Many thanks for that, Matthew. Um, so it's really clear, actually, really, that it's about engagement and engagement to the right level. And that's, that's bi-directional in terms of the SRO and the accounting officer back also to, to you as well. And, and the fact that they value the extra value that you add in the margins above and beyond the normal tick box, as you said, going through the assurance review. I think that's really important. And, and of course, LFE is, is, is proven time and time to be really important if one actually does use that experience and then learn from it. Matthew, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Many, many thanks for your time. I know you're very busy and I really look forward to the next podcast. And maybe what we could do is maybe explore something like LFE and insightful insurance a little bit further in depth. Justin, that would be a total pleasure. Thank you. Many thanks for listening to the Concerto podcast. Please keep an eye out for further podcasts. And if you want to get in touch with us, please do so through our website at concerto.uk.com. Many thanks.